Sometimes you have to promote a team member to customer, which is really just a nice way of saying you're fired or you have to let them go. But hopefully they'll be a customer for you, but that's gonna be the status they're gonna have when they're no longer with you. So let's get into some great stories about people who have been fired, who should have never had the job in the first place. And what is our responsibility as leaders to minimize that, to, to hire better, to coach better? What is it we can do to minimize when you do need to promote somebody to customer? It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back, everybody, to another week to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I really appreciate you all listening. So if you haven't, share this podcast with a friend and uh, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. So sometimes you have to promote a team member to customer. And yeah, I guess that's a really nice way of saying you're fired or you let go. And it's never easy to do, no matter how righteous it is or how needed and necessary. Uh, it's not fun thing to do when you, know, you think about things like the, the Apprentice Show where we all sat there and just just couldn't wait to see who was fired next. And of course it was, you know, reality TV wasn't really realistic by any means. I get all of that. Or, you know, how about the movie Up in the Air with George Clooney where his job, his company that he worked for was to help other companies downsize. Could you imagine just traveling around? I know, again, it's a movie, but those positions were real and they might still be real that they pay other people to go fire people in other companies. I can't even imagine being in a company like that where they couldn't do that on their own and be upfront about it. But can you just imagine if that's what you did is you traveled around ending other people's careers so you could grow yours? Because really firing starts with the leader in every sense of the word. From the hiring process, the onboarding process, coaching daily, um, showing your team how to win, um, do you even have a structure for people who aren't performing before you just cut them loose? It's it's easy in a sense, for example, on a sales team, because you have really hard data that's immediate. They're either hitting a sales quota or they're not, where maybe some other jobs are a little harder to, to quantify and say, is this person really effective or not? So do you have a structure in place that really encompasses what they need to do to be winning in order to say, hey, you're effective. You're, you're making an impact in our company or not. And when you don't do that, if you don't really address it because you're, you're worried about, hey, who's going to do all this work or, uh, I, you know, they're such a great person and all that other kind of stuff. And um, did you create a quit and stay mindset with a lot of your people that they know you're not going to deal with them? So they quit in the sense of they're not really producing at a high level. They're not giving you everything they possibly could, but they stay. They get the paycheck. They don't really have to perform. And when you don't 
really hold folks accountable, they're going to quit and stay and not give you their best. So in a sense, when you don't lead them right, the only thing you're firing is their motivation and their drive, but they're still there taking up space and they're getting some work done, but nowhere near where they need to be. Or as I've talked before in other podcasts, you talk about sometimes your most productive person that's on the execution level, making things happen, is also the hardest person to work with, is the one that your typical ball hog, if you were playing ball, like it's always about them and, and they don't understand why everybody's not as great as they are. And it's really a lot more drama than it's worth even having on the team. And you don't want to deal with that person because you're, you're, you're thinking about how much output they have. So your your mind is like, well, who's going to have to take get two or three people to replace that person, which actually isn't true. It's amazing when you hold that person accountable or you do promote them to customer and get rid of them, the rest of the team really starts stepping up. They start doing more because the ball hog is gone and they really feel like, hey, maybe I can show what I'm capable of doing and so on. And that's what you really have to key in on is having that same cultural boundary for everyone on what it is that's productive. So let's have a little bit of fun here and talk about some things about how some people you know, got fired and how it went horribly wrong and things like that. So this is an article that comes from Zapia.com. Paul Slazak wrote this article about some bizarre stories about being fired. So this one is called Sticks and Stones Break My Bones. So he said, a new barb was a single mother. And like all the leadership book says, decisions need to be made in the best interest of the business. And I tried to do my best to remove the emotion. And she'd gone through about a half a box of tissues during their difficult conversation. She was very emotional, but understood the decision wasn't really personal. Eventually, Barb walked back to her desk and said goodbye to everybody and packed up all her things and was walking out the building. And I even offered to carry her stuff with her. She said, no, I'm okay. And she stepped out onto the sidewalk and lost her balance. And the next thing you know, you hear this loud crash and Barb is shrieking in pain. And she'd actually tripped on the sidewalk and broke her leg. So now, you know, everybody's around. He, the guy who just let her go, helps her get to the emergency room and has to sit with her for hours. And imagine how uncomfortable that would be. I mean, I mean, after all, we're all human beings. So he just didn't let her, good luck, you know, good luck with your broken leg. But what do you exactly talk about um, after that? And um, they, they really couldn't talk about business or clients or anything like that. And uh, she was sitting there in agony. And the, you know, at that point, that leader felt really bad too. In another story, they'd had many conversations about this person's attitude and the way he treated some of his colleagues. And he didn't seem to have any respect for anyone. And in our last meeting, he'd half-heartedly said, oh, I'll try to get a little better. But when they heard Gerard swear at one of the staff support, I walked up to him and asked him to follow me to the boardroom. And then he just got super animated and said, are you going to fire me? And he said, let's just go to the boardroom. If you're going to if you're, if you're gonna do it, why don't you just do it right here? And by now, the entire office was watching. So Gerard was like, go on, fire me. This place won't survive without me. I'll just take every client with me and you all can go to hell. And he picked up his bag, threw a security security pass on the ground as he walked out. And within 24 hours, Gerardo received all the required termination papers along with a letter from our lawyer reminding him that the restraint of trade clauses in his contract. And he returned all the signed documents and they never heard from Gerard again. And that is just a classic story of someone who thinks your business can't survive without them. They always say that when they're leaving. But a lot of times, you know, those of us in a leadership position, if we're not doing it right, we feel that way. Not that we're mad we're going to quit or be fired, but that we're just doing so much. And, and you know, no business should 
rely on that single one person to make that happen. And just a third story here. This is this one's kind of comical. So she's, they, it's called, I thought it was just a bad dream. I'd noticed them, but it was clear to the colleagues that all had come complaining to me about Charmaine's mood swings. She was either up or very down. And we, we've had a few performance-related conversations in it, and it came to a bit of a head on a Friday afternoon when we'd noticed a box of Prozac on her desk after the receptionist had found her asleep in one of our meeting rooms earlier in the day. And under the circumstances, they couldn't keep her in the business anymore and asked Charmaine team leader to be present in the termination meeting with him. To say Charmaine flipped out would be an understatement. She waved her arms in the air, banged them down on the desk and started screaming and said when I was going to call her boyfriend to come pick her up because she was just so out of control, he had to come get her. And he waited in the boardroom with her and her boyfriend arrived 45 minutes later and then they said goodbye. So you can imagine my surprise when she walked into the team meeting on the following Monday. And she just walked in and said, sorry, I'm a bit late today. And I stood up and took her into another meeting room and I reiterated to her that she no longer worked for the company. And she said, really? I thought it was just a bad dream. I thought it might've been just not because of the Prozac messing with my head and her boyfriend had to come pick her up again. And at least this time, the boyfriend knew what the situation was. And that's kind of a sad scenario in itself, but you've probably heard different kind of firings for all kinds of reasons and how people respond and things like that, which, you know, maybe that's why companies hire some like George Clooney in that movie to come do it because it can just be so volatile. But what we really have to focus on is how do we make sure we do our part so when we are promoting people to customer and we're letting them go, it's really not a surprise. You know, when you think about it, you think about evaluations and performance evaluations, nothing on there should be a surprise. And if, if you are communicating with your team constantly about what winning looks like and how they're doing, how they contribute to the team, none of that should be a surprise. So think about this too. How about you know, famous uh, leader Jack Welch always talked about having a bottom 10%. It had to get rid of the bottom 10% constantly. And my question to you is, how did you get the bottom 10%? And it may be in a big organization. Of course, he ran General Electric, so it was massive. And a lot of times leaders, you get what you get in a sense. You're hired in as a leader. You've got a brand new team, which by the way is last week's podcast is how to take over a brand new team and not piss off everybody in the process. But maybe you didn't decide who's on your team because that's one thing I noticed in a lot of uh, leadership books I read that are that are story driven is when they take on a bad team one of the first things they do is get rid of all the bad players well yeah if you can build your own team it's a lot easier but that's what we got to work toward is how are we doing that are we just in a mode where hey you're in the bottom 10% I'll see you later or are we really investing in who that person is and what we're trying to do and one of the things you really have to look at is what is the difference between will and ability so you're, if you're really long-term thinking and building a team, do you really differentiate between their ability to do it or their will to do it? Where the, the attitude is right, or they're, they're trying to do the right thing, or they're constantly learning. They have a really good work ethic and you can work with that. Or maybe it's just ability. They just can't give you what you want. You, know, you got somebody in marketing that says, hey, I can generate a lot of business leads in this one division over here. Well, they either can or they can't. It's pretty cut and dry. And when they don't have that kind of ability and they're constantly, you know, one of the biggest phrases you hear is, oh, I'm laying groundwork. I'm laying groundwork. I'm laying groundwork. Well, at some point that groundwork has got to start paying off and start driving revenue into the company. 
or it ain't happening. So what is their ability versus will? So whenever I'm, I've got an issue, because there's a lot of things that pop up. Now, of course, if you constantly are having to help someone in their ability, they just can't do it. But when things go wrong, that is the very first thing I examine is, did they just not want to? And that's what I'm talking about when I say will versus ability, or they couldn't, couldn't they? Did something actually prevent them? That could be anything, some kind of disruption, something that just came out of left field that somebody didn't know about, some kind of government regulation they, they weren't aware of when they started their project, or maybe they're in, in research and something happened in production. It, any of those disruptions, that's, that's one thing. But what I always do remind people is when they have those kind of out of the left field interruptions that they didn't, didn't see coming or couldn't plan for is, okay, well, how did we respond to that? You know, if they just threw their hands up in the air and said, well, well, I, I don't don't really care or there's not my problem, that is a problem. Or if they say, hey, here's where we went wrong. Here's our here's our options. Here's what we can do. Or here's what I'm trying to do. Here's where I need help. Or here's what I, I can do differently next time. So it's really just deciding all of those things of does somebody have the will or not, meaning did they quit and stay? Or is it just an ability issue? Another thing you have to consider is no matter how awesome you think your company is or your organization, it's not for everyone. It's not. No matter how much you want to build your team up, it's unfortunate, but you have to be really careful in how you select the people that are in your circle. Those are the people you're going to battle with, business battle all the time. And you know, are they going to help you win that battle or not is always the big question. But they, they might not have the same passion level you do. Or maybe they should just be on another team. There's nothing wrong with that. I have, in a sense, you know, made it clear to people that they shouldn't be on our team, but I'm more than happy to get them to a, di a different place, whether that's another company, another department, another whole other career track. Um, I'm happy to help with that because not everybody should just be on your team. Something else to consider is, have you built a culture of excellence? Here's one of the best ways to really keep a good team moving forward and having the right people on your team is you have created the expectations, not in, I'm not talking about how much output you're going to have or how much work they're actually going to get done because then it just becomes a numbers game and you're just basically cracking a whip and you better have all this done or uh, I'm not necessarily talking about that, although that is a huge component of it, but I'm talking about all kinds of things culture related of how do we deal with each other? How do we deal with clients and customers? Um, how do we deal with problems? How do we deal with conflict? You know, How do we operate as human beings? And you set that culture level so high and you don't bend on it. Because remember, good leaders are good gatekeepers of your cultural boundaries that a lot of times people will excuse themselves. They will go find other things to do. They will realize that they can't really hang with the group, that they're the outsider now. As other people are performing, like you think about that story of that guy quitting, you'll never survive without me. A lot of those people that aren't joining what's really truly with the culture of your team really stick out like a sore thumb and everybody knows it. You know, we talk about managers and leaders always being in a fishbowl or on stage or always being observed. Well, that's actually true for everybody on your team. You think about it. Everybody, you, you know everybody's quirks and, and different things they do and when things aren't right, 
right. You know, they're saying different things or, or how they're responding to things. So everybody's kind of got that issue that they're on stage or examined. So when they can't really hang with a great um, high level culture, uh, more than not, those folks will find other things to do. So do you even have a process for promoting someone to customer? And it really just depends. You know, if you work in a really large company, there probably is more processes than you can shake a stick at. But, and you got to involve a whole lot of people. And there's good reason for that because you certainly don't want to create a culture of, well, you didn't hit these numbers, we'll see you kind of thing. And it's always good, especially if if you are always leading that person that you, you get some, a, a different perspective, some more clarity on really just talking about the behaviors of what you're talking about to somebody who's not really attached to the situation. And maybe they can say, well, you know, okay, here's what this sounds like. Like they're detached from it. They don't have a personal involvement. And a lot of times that's really good. But maybe you are an entrepreneur. Maybe you have like five people on your staff. Maybe you have 10, maybe you have 20. And a lot of times because it's so small, you're really not human resource structured, so to speak. And before you know it, you're just churning through people left and right. I was listening to Gary Vee the other day when he talked about hire fast, fire faster, and promote fastest. Well, that's all well and good, but a lot of that depends on what you're talking about and how that, what does fast really mean? And I, I get what he's saying. You don't want to lose great talent and you certainly don't want to keep bad talent around a lot. But you can also get into a lot of issues and a lot of it will depend on what city or what state your business is in as far as like unemployment law and things you got to pay like that and the cost of training and constantly turning things over and all of that. So a lot of it is very subjective under what kind of business you have. So in other words, if you got a kind of business where you're not really investing a lot in people, you know, talking about a sales team or something like that, where, you know, they don't need a lot of training. They don't need, they're mobile. They don't need an office and things like that. And they just got to hit numbers. And, and so maybe that is a little easier, but when you're really truly building a long-term team, you, you can't just constantly do that. Or maybe you have retail locations and you got a lot of customer traffic. You can't constantly have this, this churn of different people working every time you go there. You ever, you ever go to a place like that? Um, you see that a lot in fast food restaurants, but even sometimes in, in a restaurant that's a little bit higher level that you like, it's like every time you're there, you see someone different. You're, you definitely know when it's training day, when, when things aren't going the way they should and having this constant churn. So even if you are a entrepreneur, just a small team and things like that, you still have to take the time to make sure you're hiring right, that you have a process in place and that it really isn't a surprise when you do need to let someone go. You're not doing your due diligence as a leader if when you're getting to that point, you're not already thinking, well, okay, well now what do we do as a company? Or, or a team. So for example, you got somebody in marketing, you're getting ready to let go. Do you already have the next person in mind? Are you already looking at least quietly that you've got to replace this person? That, you know, you're just not going to cut them loose. And then for a month or two, just have no one. All of those things just because at the end of the day, the company's got to keep running. The team's got to keep running. You can't just take this person out and replace them with this other person. And that's that. And so you really have to think of everything from start to finish of having a process for all of those things. So this is what we're going to talk about is a couple of things you need to do as a leader from start to finish to be able to really staff right, keep them right, build that culture, thinking about down the road, future team, getting to a point where you're so successful, they don't need you anymore and you can move on to bigger things and other people on your team can move on to bigger things. So we got to start at the very beginning before we can talk about constantly promoting people to customer. Because honestly, as a leader on the front side, it's extremely easy to do. 
especially if you have a mindset where you just don't care. You're just like, well, I'll just get rid of them. Um, it's not hard to do, but it's detrimental to the team when that's the constant thing that we're just firing people. We don't care. Um, or somebody's new there every week. It's just not very helpful. So let's dig into some key things you got to do. And let's start at the very beginning. So have, as you, as the leader, what are your onboarding expected behaviors? Like right at the beginning, how do you prepare for them to come on board? I'll never forget years ago, I worked in the mortgage industry as a, as a, as a loan officer and a broker. And it's funny, I worked for at the time, and of course they're closed as many of them are now from the housing. And this is before the housing crisis of 2008. And I saw that coming and, and got out of that. But I went to work for this company, highest volume mortgage broker in the area. And no lie, very first day we sit down, they hired a group of us at a time, eight of us, I think. And so we're sitting in this conference room and they're playing clips from two different movies, one from the boiler room and one from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And the boiler room is basically a fictitious, if you will, stock trading company that tailored themselves after JP Morgan. And I think they call themselves JT Marlin. So people get confused and they were just as about as how can that much money they can make and screw people over and how do you close a deal and all those things. And Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is probably one of the most morbid movies I have ever seen about a group of guys that sell land to people and how incredibly hard it is. And, and uh, that's where the famous line, at least in sales, a guy went up in the middle of a meeting to get some coffee in the back of the room. And the, the guy who was giving the meeting said, hey, coffee is for closers. You're not closing anything. Sit down. It's that kind of environment. And of course, after watching these movie clips, they said, oh, we're not really like this. We just play this for fun. They were exactly like that. And I, I knew right then and there, this was not going to go well. But when you think about onboarding people, the question I like to ask is, and I always ask the person, the, the new person that was onboarded, you know, about a month or two later, I, I asked them, do they feel like we anticipated their arrival? Meaning, was everything in the first couple of weeks really laid out for them? It's something simple, like where is everything at to their very first training steps, who they're going to work with, what they're actually going to learn specifically. Did we really onboard them the right way? Another thing is, did you as a leader, did you oversell the position when you hired somebody? Not just you know what they're going to make. Uh, so it's one of the biggest things to key in on. Well, here's where you start at. I saw saw a comic strip where it said this, well, the job starts at 65, but in five years, you could be making 100. He goes, well, I'll come back in five years. So did you oversell the position on what they'll actually be doing, what they're responsible for? Because everybody, you know, they want to know they matter and they want to know what they can control and what they're going to be doing and things like that. And so you, you know, hire them, you tell them you're going to be a director of, of marketing. And then the next thing, you, you know, they're in a room somewhere just constantly making cold calls and they never intended on doing that. So did you you oversell the position? Uh, does the expected behaviors you're asking for align with the strategy? So you think about the daily behaviors and decisions that drive your business forward. Is that what you're seeing? Is that what you laid out for that person? Is that what you're you know, expecting from that person? And that can be uh, nothing to do with ability. It's just how we're going to work together, what we're going to do day in and day out. Is that been specifically spelled out to that person on what they need to do and what you are actually going to uphold as the leader. So that leads me to number two, as the leader, have you protected the culture boundaries? And I talk about this 
almost every week, but this is just so critical. And this is where a lot of leaders cause themselves a lot of grief they don't need because they don't protect the boundaries. But did you make certain behaviors important long-term or did you allow bad behaviors? Again, we talked about that really high output producer, but they're incredibly hard to work with. Nobody wants to work with them, but you don't take action on that. And the key question is how long did you wait to take action when you don't see the right boundaries happening? How long are you going to let that go on? And I've always said that who is really in charge of your operation right now? You, because you're a leader or what behaviors you allow to happen? Is that what's in charge? You know, sometimes I joke with people say, well, you might as well go switch your paycheck with that guy down the hall because whatever he's doing or not doing and you don't say anything about it, that's what's really in charge. So that's the key question. How long did you wait before you took any kind of action? Number three, as a leader, did you solve will versus ability? It's the can they or will they? And if they can't, have you really looked into why they can't? There's a whole host of reasons why they can't. And I talked about that a little bit earlier of things you didn't see coming. And you know, a lot of times I see leaders get so wrapped up in these two things. Like there's endless discussions on the, the will versus ability. And to me, the question of the will, will they do it or not? That should be a very fast conversation. Are they doing the things they need to be doing? And if not, if not why not? And when are you going to hold them accountable? To me, that is like a very super simple conversation. But so oftentimes, you know, you as a leader spend so much of your energy chasing drama, chasing people who aren't performing. And when you really, if you just stop for a minute and really step back and look at your entire operation and think, man, there are so many more good things going on than this problem. But we tend to just let problems eat us up. It's almost like you ever been late to work in the morning and something really important was happening first thing, right? And you're late and you feel, and I'm talking like an hour, really late, not five minutes, but you feel late like the rest of the day. Everything else was just like late until that day ended. Well, a lot of times you kind of get that same feeling when you have problems and drama and that's where all your energy goes and you like totally ignore every great thing that happened or every great thing that is happening. And it's like, oh, I got to deal with it. It's, it's all of that. And conversations about will, about the wanting to do things should never be ruling your time. And you really have to be good at, okay, how much am I going to invest here in this problem, in this drama before I move on from that? So when you look at why won't they, the, the will, you know, is it the kind of work? Is it the training? I mean, did somebody just lie on their resume? Um, That can happen. Um, It's very hard and you don't know the person of of that. And it's just like when you take over a new team, you're hired into a company or you're promoted into a situation and you get what you get. You didn't pick that team. How do you figure that out? And how do you do that? So there are stages in here that we talked about of onboarding the right way, getting that culture out there, protecting those culture boundaries, and then really figuring out as time goes on when things are happening, when, when, when things are in motion and they're not succeeding, is it will or is it ability? And how do you break that down? But above everything else, let's just remember we're all human. And if you really have to take that action, you do it with grace. Again, you should never, nothing should be a surprise, particularly if you're firing somebody. Now, of course, if they do something like way out of left field, that's just, you you can't tolerate, you know, sexual harassment, dishonesty, stealing, all that. That's a whole different ballgame. I'm talking about behavior 
character-driven you know, ability to get things done, how they interact with people. Um, do they have the, the, the actual um, ability to move your company forward? So when you have to get to that point and you do it with grace and you promote them to customer, you really have to figure out what did you learn? You really have to break it down every time this happens of what did we learn from this experience of why? Now, sometimes it can be really fast depending on what it was. And sometimes it can be really slow. And I know this is kind of a, a morbid example, but I'm a forensic files junkie. So here's how I kind of equate it, if you will. So when you're really examining what did you learn, you have to do three things like a detective. You have to have an autopsy. And if, well, somebody's career is dying. So you're gonna have a eulogy, a eulogy and you're gonna have a funeral. So the autopsy is how did it happen? What were the factors that caused it? And this is where you get into the ability, the, the reasoning why did they show up? Did you not show up? Did you not explain things correctly? All that kind of stuff, training, you name it. You really examine all the details of why did that fail? Then in the eulogy part, if you think about a real eulogy, you talk about what was the experience or the feelings behind that person or what had happened. And, and really, you know what happened by now because you did the autopsy, but what were the, the, the feelings? And you can kind of put two and two together of, oh man, I really, really should have seen that one coming or really should have taken action a little quicker. And then the funeral part, you know, it's okay to remember it, but don't dwell on it. Or as John Maxwell always says, don't create a monument to failure that you're constantly going back to. You know, you have to move on from that. So on the flip side of this, if you're one of those that is that are being promoted to customer and you're really struggling with that because that is a very life-altering event and it doesn't even matter why in the sense of, I know it matters, but it doesn't matter if the company's just downsizing. It doesn't make it any better. Oh, we're just going in a different direction. It's not even that you weren't that good, but we're doing something and you still feel the same because when you go to work, you give them a piece of you and you should. It's your career. You're getting paid. You want to make a difference on a team and it's hard to do. And a lot of times when that's taken away, it's almost like sometimes our identity is taken with it and it's a hard way of looking at it. And how do we move forward? And one of the things you can do, go back to podcast number eight and the two two word sentences that move you forward always work whether you're succeeding or failing. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.